You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Greg Hectus. Hey, everybody. Mason Stiver. What's up? Tony Groves. Evening, fellas. And special guest, Alex Green. Hello. Hey, welcome, everybody. Well, thanks, Alex Green, for joining us today uh, here on the podcast. Let's get to know you a little bit and go through our questions. Uh, Tell us about what brought you to iRacing in the first place, and how did you initially hear about it? Yeah, absolutely. First off, thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited to be on this. Um, I grew up in a racing family. My dad was a big NASCAR fan. And, you know, ever since I was a kid, you know, I remember NR2003 and, you know, crashing cars on that. And uh, about four or five years ago, um, I got into NR2003 and found out that, you know, you could still race on it, that there were still servers open. And I actually ran my own league with a couple buddies for a short time there. And, you know, everybody kept talking about iRacing, iRacing. And when I found out that the same people who from Papyrus uh, had made iRacing and, you know, I get, decided to give it a shot. Uh, and that was going on three years ago now. All right. Well, very good. And um, so tell us about like how often are you racing now? Uh, like per week? Is it daily? Once a week kind of thing? Um. I try to race as much as I can. Um, I just, my daughter was born uh, four months ago, actually today. Um, so I don't get to race as much as I do. Typically, um, I'll, uh, I'll be running, I'll usually run uh, Monday and I try to race on Fridays. Um, and every now and then, if I can get her to sleep in time or I can get my wife to take her, I'll, uh, I'll try to run the occasional C-fixed race or something like that. But Usually about two or three times a week, not as much as I used to. Right, right. All right, and so what series are you running? Is it Oval Road, Dirt? Are you part of a team or any leagues? <laughs> um, I'm a roadblock when it comes to road course racing, so I typically uh, try to avoid that. Um, series I'm more likely to run is the uh, C-Fix series uh, for official and I'm also uh, the co-owner, along with two of my uh, best friends, Robert Payne and Cody Ober, uh, of the OP Racing uh, Series. Uh, so Monday nights, I'm always found in our Super Speedway Series, uh, which you can check out on uh, Max Speed TV. And I also run our 2001 Throwback Series, which features the K&N cars with the original uh, 2001 rule sets. Um, that's always, that's the kind of stuff I love, kind of the throwback to the old school. Um, in terms of teams, uh, I'm a member of GOP Racing or Green Over Pain Racing, um, which is just, uh, you know, three best friends from kindergarten. I got them into it and that's what we love to run. All right. Very good. So tell us about this OP Racing. Uh, I know you got at a big event coming up, uh. The 24 Hours of Charlotte. Yes, uh, sir. Yes, sir. The Mission 22, uh, 24 Hours of Charlotte. Um, it's uh, The basic concept is we want to do something uh, that iRacing has, or that 
to our knowledge, has never been done before on iRacing, and that is a 24-hour oval race. Uh, kind of the idea of it was every time, you know, people kept asking me, hey, do you want to run the 24 Le Mans? Do you want to run the 24 Daytona? And I'm always like, man, I'm terrible at road courses. I'll, I'll just wreck your car. But I always really, really wanted to endurance race. Um, so we kind of came up with the idea of, hey, why don't we run a 24-hour oval race? Um, and we always kind of wanted to do it for charity. We figured something like that would be an awesome way to raise attention. Um, so we started that. And, of course, so the idea around everybody's like, that's so dumb. And then it kind of went to, yeah, but it's dumb enough to work. Um, so through uh, some mutual contacts in the league, uh, we became partnered uh, with Mission 22, uh, which is a charity uh, for veterans of the military, the armed forces. Kind of they help them uh, reintegrate into the public uh raise attention to post-traumatic stress disorder and uh from you know get help for that their kind of conditions there um but their main goal uh is to reduce veteran suicide um 22 a day is uh how many veterans commit suicide uh and their goal is ultimately to bring that number uh down to zero um robert payne you know one of my best friends he was uh he ran in the army and he kind of came up with the idea, you know, with some of his own experiences, you know, with people he knew and things like that. Um, and we're like, that'd be an awesome one to do it for. And thus the 24 at Charlotte was born. Okay. So initially I, I was thinking Roval, but you're saying it's oval, right? Yes, sir. Oh, wow. Charlotte that sounds oval awesome. And the monster energy cup, uh, gen six cars. Right. And then, so it'll be a team event where you're switching out drivers in the same car? Yes, sir. Uh, we originally had set a limit of teams of four, I believe. We're still ironing out the details, which obviously we're 30 days from the race, so I'll have an official rule set out soon. Um, but I believe we're going to teams of six as the maximum. Um, open setup. Uh, basically, it's going to be like... It's going to be like your typical NASCAR oval race, what you're used to, lucky dogs, cautions, all that, but 24-hour time limit. All right. It'll be interesting to see uh, how many laps people go down and stuff and who's on the lead lap and all that. I was thinking that as you were talking about that. So February 16th, the cup car at Charlotte Oval, one fast repair per driver, cautions on. Uh, and, and so how do people find out more information about OP Racing? Um, well, OP Racing, uh, typically, uh, I believe, forgive me, I should have the stuff and I'll see if I can get it to you. Um, but uh, we have our Facebook group, which we're using to coordinate the event and where drivers can ask uh, questions and things like that. Uh, we don't have a website currently. We're working on that still. Um, but uh, that, but basically, you can reach out to me. I'm in iRacing Drivers World where I know this gets posted. Um Feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. I'm happy to answer any questions. Uh, entry fee is $10 uh, per uh, team. However, uh, we do currently have uh, some members of OP Racing offering to buy teams. their charter in so long as they give the guarantee to run. And any uh, team with a military member on it, they run free. No charge to them. All right, nice. And uh, proceeds obviously go to Mission 22. 
All proceeds go to Mission 22. Uh, that uh, the the entry fee is a ten dollar donation to Mission 22. It's not uh payable to me. Only the um, we're hoping uh, we do have a prize that got put up um, by some very generous people. Uh, two eye flags. Uh, seem pretty cool little devices. They um uh they basically you plug them in and they'll flash the light status. Uh, Yellow, things like that, green. custom made. Yep. It's really, they seem really cool. Custom made, engraved, and teams can decide how to divide that up. Um, we have had some people offer to broadcast. Uh, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but I believe uh, the uh, KR Stolfus and uh, Roger Muth, uh, two people that uh, we work with in our broadcasts, have uh, said that they may be willing to donate some time. And we have also had another group I need to get with. Um, definitely say that they were on the broadcast the whole 24 hours as well as run so <laughs> the community outreach has been amazing and i definitely um mission 22 is going to be promoting the events and giving uh giving us shout outs um you know it's basically the point is to show uh show military veterans they're not alone and so uh one so split you're filling up right yeah, um, we set a cap at 30 cars. Obviously, if we get to that, we can talk about adding more in uh, teams of six. But I don't think we're, I don't think we're gonna have enough interest to generate more than one split. Never know. I mean, be cool. I'm, I wouldn't be against it, but you know, yeah. we'll, so we'll see what happens. Well, I think everyone coming off the Daytona 24-hour race, uh, we had a lot of fun doing that. This certainly sounds intriguing for an oval racer. Um, you know, to get out there and, and mix it up, you know, and, and take turns. And, uh, I think our team would have fun doing this. Yeah. And I'd absolutely love to have you guys there. It's, uh, you know, OP racing is a great group of guys and we're all about just community, the sense of community and, you know, letting military, uh, showing military veterans are not alone, uh, especially in an iRacing community. If we can get new eyes on the sport with it, that'd be awesome. Well, it's tough to organize a, for a 24-hour race. I mean, because it's not a, a regular event. Most events are under two hours, and but this is a whole different animal. Like when we were planning for the Daytona 24, we started literally six months ago, building a schedule and a team, a roster, and all this. And uh, yeah, I don't know if we can actually do it, but it, it certainly does sound fun. So yeah, you can search Facebook for OP Racing to find that. Hey, yeah. uh, question for Alex. Um, yes, sir. What time does the race start? I uh, it will it. start at February sixteenth at noon, uh, and then uh, it'll go to February seventeenth, which is a Saturday and Sunday. It'll end Sunday at noon the next day on the seventeenth. Eastern. Eastern time, yes, sir. Thank you. Makes you think about what do you do for the setup because you know half of it during the day, half at night. You know, what and that's you... definitely the challenge of it too. Uh, my team, um, you know, thankfully we have uh, Mark Vega, who's an amazing setup maker. Um, I think our plan right now is to try to keep the car as neutral as possible, that and make it to where tire pressure adjustments, tape, we can get it right for each of the four members of our team. I think that's the current strategy. If that works or not, we'll see. Right. And I'm curious. Do you know if does it at is it going to add time for a driver change like it does on the road course stuff with teams? Um, we haven't got that far. Um, I think it does, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't try I, it. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it probably does. And thankfully that's part of the reason why we had cautions on because it adds that element of strategy of 
do you do you pit under green uh, for green flag conditions, or do somebody take a little bit extra longer stint and wait for that caution to try to get a driver change? Yeah, I think cautions on is appropriate for an oval. So. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, sure sounds awesome. All right, very good. Let's keep going. Uh, tell us about your setup at home. Uh, what type of wheel and pedals do you have? How many monitors? Third-party um, software. I keep it pretty basic. Um, I my computer was built uh, about four or five months ago. Um, I got an AMD uh, FX, I believe a 7300 and a 1080 in there, uh, all liquid cooled. Uh, wheel, very basic, just your typical G27, G27 stock pedals. I do run a uh, a um, triple monitor though. Um, apps I use really, I I keep that pretty simple too. I just use sim racing apps, which is one of my favorite tools ever. Does everything I need, counts me down, tells me where people are on the track. Um, just really basic. All right. And then final question: What's your most memorable iRacing moment? <laughs> oh man, there's a uh, there's been a lot of them and i've been thankful to be a part of this community for so long and i absolutely uh love uh every minute of it um i have two that are kind of a tie um both of them you can actually see on um uh, friend if you go back and look at max speed tv's archives one from this current season of super speedway and one from last season um last season um Restarted at Daytona 07 with uh, two to go. Had my teammate and you know my best friend Cody Ober pushing me. Uh, leader went up for a uh, leader went up for a block uh, and I just stayed in it and he he got I got him about halfway. I uh, forced him back down uh, and I got my first win in the in the league. That was really fun and uh, I went into the chase and did really well there. Uh, second one from this season um, was probably uh, getting uh, my best fr uh, my other friend Robert Payne um, our uh, his first win on iRacing. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't really be fully a part of that. Uh, my car had gotten wrecked, but just the excitement uh, from the team as a whole uh, when we pushed him and got him that win. And I know I'll, there's a whole story behind it. I can't really get into, but. It meant a lot to him. It meant a lot to us, and it was just a really special moment between friends. Yeah, I've I've actually been in a moment like that before, where uh, you're at Talladega, where we were three of us working together to get one guy a win, and we did it. And uh, <laughs> it's it's fun to do that. <laughs> oh yeah, there's uh, especially with super speedway racing. You know, it's coopetition. I believe uh, Daryl Waltrip's called it a couple times. You want to win, but when you can get linked up and help your buddies, it's so much more fun. Right. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's been fun learning about you and uh, Mission 22 and uh, the 24 hours of Charlotte Oval Race. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you guys again for having me on. I know we've had some scheduling errors, but been glad to finally get on board. All right. Well, cool. We're going to get into the topics. But first, uh, let's talk about... The OBRL, Old Bastards Racing League, uh, we do sponsor their Monday night event, and they had a full field of 43 drivers at Chicagoland. Uh, Eddie Jones captured the pole by uh, a tenth over David Wright. Josh Mayhew gained 33 positions, winning the Hard Charger Award and finishing third. 
Uh, Greg Hectus walked the field by over 2.6 seconds and leading 42 laps to win the race. Gail Brooks finished second, and 29 drivers finished this exciting race on the lead lap. So let's stop there before I continue. Greg, you got it done, and I was watching you on the stream, and nobody had nothing for you. Yeah, you got the track wrong there, but uh, it was at Michigan. But uh, Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it was a good race. Um, it was, I think, the only reason that it was it ended the way it did is just because someone didn't take tires on the uh uh second last pit stop or last pit stop and and their tires do mean a lot especially the amount that that guy had dropped like kinda, a rock yeah and he kind of held them back and as soon as i got away from the draft then i was fine it's it's whenever they had the draft they could catch you no matter what so uh it was a good race um i think we all did pretty good i, I think the only one that was Chris that had some issues in that race. Um, but, uh, yeah, so now got my second win of the season and I'm now the points lead with two, uh, two laps or two races to go before the playoffs. So i got to stay in the top five here. I got a 26 point lead. All right. And then teammate, Justin Laird, uh, started 26, finishing 11th podcast professional. Tony grows had a great race starting 31st. And finishing on lead lap in 20th with zero incident points. Uh, how'd that happen? I didn't get wrecked, or, and I didn't wreck nobody. That's how that nice. happened. Nice. <laughs> At Michigan. <laughs> At Michigan, yeah. It, you know, uh, I kind of got to say a little different than, than what Greg. Yeah, it was a good race. It was an okay race. There was uh, more cautions than I think there really needed to be. Yeah. Um, and I'm not. Yeah, it seems to been happening a lot lately. The guys just seem to be a little over aggressive in my eyes. Um, Daytona was surprisingly clean, um, but uh, I'm not sure what's going on there. I know, like uh, you know, a bunch of us have paid into the pot, so there's some money on the line. Maybe that's what's ha maybe that's what's doing it. Um, there's a bunch of uh, new guys. Maybe they're just not used to how the old bastards normally race, but I know they are uh, doing their best to try and get things, uh, you know, cleaned up and get everybody just racing hard and side by side. Now, that 20th that I did get, man, I fought for that. I fought hard and I was fighting hard for 19th. Um, I just couldn't get 20th is, is, uh, is all the talent I had uh, for Monday. It is competitive. Uh, I ran it Wednesday. I ran with them Wednesday, and yeah, they had live admins going Wednesday to pull uh, people out if something was going awry. But it was a much cleaner event. Well, and I think they're learning from this year with the extra amount of people they have uh, applying for it that they probably are going to need those live admins because. You know, they got four races a week and they got to hand out the penalties and make sure everything's right. And then there's somebody that does the replays. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff that's moving parts for them. And I think they were getting a little frustrated and you could hear the frustration from the Monday night's race because Michigan shouldn't be a track that the cars weren't t uh, loose. They would get tight. So you don't really have to worry about, you know, it's just throttle management. And, and if you're getting up on somebody, just you know, drag the brake like you would at Daytona. It's, you know, it's, you only had to brake a little bit to go around Michigan. So, you know, you're almost driving like Daytona, but, you know, guys just couldn't stay off each other. There was some, I think there was a big wreck 
I want to say with at like lap 50 or so that took out a good chunk of the field. Michigan is a track that you absolutely have to know how to run in traffic above all else. And you're right. There absolutely is that super speedway element um, coming from somebody who's run, who runs a league and currently deals with, you know, there being too many cautions. Uh, have they considered setting up like a feeder series or maybe something like that, that people have to race into? Cause that's what helped us a lot. Yeah. It's and they got enough traffic to almost have uh, multiple splits. Yeah, they probably we, could now. We set our main field at 30 cars on Monday nights, and then we do feeder series on Wednesday and uh, Saturday. Um, and we usually get about 20 to 25 cars, and those are people just trying to get up to the Monday series. Right. That's so helped a lot is being able to evaluate talent. Now, the other question is, is... is do you notice with having a race where they're trying to get up to the main one, is that race a little bit more aggressive than the main race? Yeah, um, I'd say so. And we don't currently have a rule. We've talked about it um, where the Monday drivers can't run with them um, or have a limited amount of starts. So uh, we do currently have a little bit of a problem, I think, where the, mon the Monday guys are like, well, I'm not racing for points in this series. So, you know, just go out and send it. Um, and that sometimes doesn't mix well with the other group. Um, but you, you kind of get a sense really quick of, okay, I'd be comfortable with this guy pushing me around Daytona 07 versus I don't want this guy anywhere near me. And that's what the main thing we look for. And then the rest, we kind of go from there in terms of talent and driver evaluation. I don't want anyone pushing me around Daytona 07. <laughs> All right, and then uh, podcast star Chris J.R. Scales had a tough race getting turned on the backstretch on lap 14 by driver 71. Next week, new Smyrna Speedway for 120 laps. They are going to have two live admins reviewing that race um, and, and handing out penalties for any racing incidents. The OBRL prides itself on clean racing with no cautions. And, uh, yeah, Wednesday night, I was the caution. I actually made a mistake and, and hit somebody and then spun out. But other than that, it was fairly clean after the beginning. I don't think I even know what New Smyrna looks like. Right. It, well, let's let's get let's keep moving here. We're going to the topics. Mason, you're up first. All right. The uh, the Chili Bowl was this past weekend. We had uh, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, and many other NASCAR stars uh, driving in it. Um, but uh, Christopher Bell had the iRacing paint job on his uh, midget there. And we have some pictures on Facebook on the iRacing page of that midget. Um, and him sitting in there with the helmet, uh, the iRacing helmet we talked about on, um, him with the uh, the iRacing management, iRacing banners everywhere, um, some track pictures. Uh, what else do we got here? Just a whole bunch of iRacing plastered all over that chili bowl. And then uh, we also have the Instagram post of uh, Christopher Bell, three-time chili bowl champion. He did come away with the victory and put iRacing in victory lane. Also up on Twitter from iRacing.com. So lots of uh, iRacing all over the chili bowl. Wow. And how much exposure does iRacing get by being associated with this boy, Christopher Bell, and Kyle Larson? I mean, Chris it's Bell. just amazing. And Chris well, Bell's going to have a full ride very soon. Oh, yeah. And the fact, the only, the only problem with Christopher Bell is he's being held back by Joe Gibbs, and that's what's causing some stop there. But 
the amount of uh, just even having iRacing associated with this Chili Bowl too. Like you got those two drivers, but just associated with Chili Bowl in general and being a winner of it, that's right. Recognition and that's what alone I mean too. is that they're at the top of the Chili Bowl. They're the ones in victory lane, you know, getting the TV shots on the iRacing product. I mean, all those other sponsors that are at the Chili Bowl, they're looking at iRacing with envy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The The main thing that helps grow the sport of sim racing is the real racing on top of it. I mean, especially, I remember I was in a race one time with Tony Stewart in it, and I was like, that's the coolest thing. And, you know, he'll go out and publicly say that, you know, it's as good as it gets. Well, Chris is a definitely an advocate. He He does it weekly, and we've talked about that. Yeah, absolutely. They definitely need the main. We they need real drivers as much as uh, they need them for money. So it's a really beneficial partnership, I think. Yeah, I mean, kudos to iRacing for being involved and being the sponsor and writing the check to be there on the car because this is really good exposure. I mean, it doesn't get better than this. This is the kind of crowd that we want on iRacing. The people that watch Chili Ball are the people that we want in iRacing. Definitely. I wonder how much it costs to sponsor one of those cars. I don't know. But I, I bet you they got their money's worth. I would I think. I bet so. All right, let's jump into the 24 hours of Daytona iRacing version. I'll take this one. A lot of stuff going on. Of course, we ran two cars, uh, the DP car and a GTE car. And we got some pictures that we put up on Facebook, but we didn't do a lot because we were just focused on the race and you know, and everyone's doing their shifts and that kind of thing. Um, but, and we're going to talk about our individual shifts a little bit later in the show. But I think we ended up sixth in the DP car, um, which was a good run. Uh, how did you guys finish over there in the GTE? I believe it was a uh, ninth place finish. Ninth, okay. Yeah, so ninth. two top tens. So are we happy with that? What do you think? I mean, what the, let's talk of the overall result. Well, if you're looking at it on our side and, you know, David and I are probably the more experienced road guys and then having four rookies that, you know, never competed in an endurance race like that, um, a ninth place, you know, we'll take that. That's that's uh, a great finish. I don't know how, you know, Brent, uh, Mason, Tony, and uh, David, Chris. myself, and Chris, I mean, we... You know, we were battling hard. We, you know, we even had the, we'll have talked about it in a bit about the blinking issue, but um, that race had a whole bunch of things. And, you know, we were talking about it on the messenger for a while that Chris and them were a little worried about, you know, uh, you know, trying to do good for the team. And we were just trying to get them to focus to not, you know, make any mistakes and things like that. And I think Chris and Tony ended up with the least amount of incident points from most of us on the team. So for that race, so, you know, for not having any experience in doing it, not you know even having the craft of wanting to be a road racer, um, they did a hell of a job in that race. Yeah, ninth is very respectable out of 55 cars. Wow. So, uh, yeah, six for our car, um, and I was six when I got in it with about eight hours to go, and it stayed six till the end. So that six was earned, you know, earlier on in the race. Joe got taken out by a a GTE car that went completely off track on one part of the track and went across the grass and just sideswiped Joe and flipped the car over. 
and when I got in it, it was like it wasn't damaged at all. It, it was still fast, and uh, but apparently it got wrecked twice before I got it. And, and the other, hold on, sorry, Mason. The other thing, just before I forget, I want to commend uh, Bobby Jonas for the paint jobs on both cars as well. They looked great out there. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, I think we are in a field of all GTE cars. And so that's yeah. ninth overall. Yeah, it was ninth overall because that was every, yeah, it was all fifty-five GTEs. Yeah, we were some seventeen laps down. Um, okay, so my next thing I want to say about my uh, uh, my take, it was I don't know how if I did this on purpose or not, but my shift was when it was totally dark to sunrise, and then the it was shining bright. So I got to experience driving during that entire transition of the sunrise. And it was amazing, guys. I felt like I wanted to put on my sunglasses, you know, as the sun was coming up, you know, because it was bright and I was kind of wincing my eyes a little bit. And it felt real. It was kind of, it was definitely a different experience. Yeah, I had, I had both the, um, the sunset and the sunrise uh, stints. So I, I was a lucky one, I guess, on our team. Um, and the sunset, I liked that better because it was easier to drive with. But the sunrise, like you said, you needed some sunglasses because that was hard to hit your marks. And I thought the lights on the car could have stayed on just a little bit longer um, to help me out with that. But just mainly inside the car, not necessarily outside the car. But it was very, very cool watching the sunrise and, and all that. They really nailed it. What uh, what transition do you call the uh, start of the race when they were blinking? Is that a different type of transition? Yeah, so let's talk about <laughs> the blinking. Um, so at the beginning of the race, everybody was blinking out, I understand. Uh, lots of different splits. I, uh, maybe not the st- uh, the top split. I heard that one was actually okay. Compared to how it had been previous years, they better you know throw their top servers and all the resources they could for that top split because there was a lot of people upset last year. On, we on the, we we were, ours was blinking for about thirty minutes. I think it was Mason. Is that what it was? About thirty minutes. Yeah. And uh, it finally evened out, but it kicked the, it kicked the probably ten or fifteen cars. And I think, I don't know if all those people. I never did look at the results to see if some of those people just left and never came back. Um, but uh, I think what they started another race an hour later. For people. Well, so here's the timing. So Tyler posted an hour after the race started, roughly. Engineers are working to fix the problem as we speak. I would say stay in the race for now. And so not long after that, they figured out what the problem is, and they, or they fixed it. It was a firewall setting. And because there was so much traffic, unusually high traffic, their firewall was actually blocking uh, drivers as it thinking it was a DNS attack. Huh. So this is hopefully uh, a learning experience. A learning experience for the next endurance one, which is what spa. I want to say spa. Well, Bathurst. Maybe. Oh, it's Bathurst. Yeah, the big one will be Lamar. Um, but yeah, I mean, I racing blew it again, and and it. I don't want to say it again every time, but it seems like that whenever there's a big event. There seems to be a server problem, and um, but it didn't take them too long to, to fix it. Um, now, they did start another uh, race, which is very unusual, about an hour after that, and uh, allowed people that might have been affected to basically restart. 
I have no idea how many uh, restarted in that other event. I've never heard of iRacing doing that either. In the past, they had just been like, well, sorry. Right. Uh, there was also a separate issue with the Finnish in Finland, a ISP over there. They were doing maintenance, and it booted a lot of the Finnish drivers, the people Ooh. from that country. That's unfortunate timing. Yeah, it's awful timing. Isn't, uh... Ah, what's his name? Uh, I remember iRacing did a... Hutu, yeah, did he get booted? Well, it did drop uh, drop all the top split Finnish drivers, and there's a bunch of them in top. Oh, yeah. So I bet he, he probably was involved in that. Right, but... Uh, so you guys the, in the Ferrari, you didn't grid because of the blinking, so you saw it happening during warm-up and... Yeah, we, I think I qualified 16th and, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna risk it. Cause there's, it was, it wasn't even like a quick blink. Like they were long, like it's like a second they were blinking. So you, you know, the car would be in one location and then, it, you know, show up in another one. So you can never really tell where they were. So I just didn't want to go into turn one there and just, you know, write off a 24 hour race within one corner. Right. Well, once they got it resolved, then it stopped and everything was okay, I understand, right? Yeah, we didn't have any issues all night. And the other thing was, is Chris was the only one who had a minor issue on his first stint. But uh, Tony, who usually has nothing but server issues and getting disconnected, had zero problems right. in the middle of the night. How do you Yeah, Chris had a disconnect of some kind. So I was quite, we were quite surprised because we always were trying to, like we were talking about it before, we had to make sure that somebody was around in case, you know, Tony had his problem because then somebody could jump in, but he perfectly went and then we were scrambling when Chris's all of a sudden popped up. All right. Um, and the, some other tidbits here about the race, the top split winners was Coanda Simsport. That's Mitchell DeJong, uh, Matt Pietiella. Uh, they, their guest, Sage Karam, we've talked about him a bunch recently. Um, J.K. Rogers uh, was also involved in that uh, car. And so they won the top split uh, with the overall winner. Uh, no surprise there, Mitchell DeJong. Uh, Josh Rogers is his name. Uh, the other thing is only one team got DQ'd with the 240 incident limit. And so that turned out to be... Way too high, probably. <laughs> That's a lot of off-tracks. Uh, there were 4,684 drivers participated in the race. So how many do we get for Daytona 500? Does anybody remember? It was seven or eight splits. Of 40? No, it was more than that. There's more than that. It's yeah. usually... It's usually it was like 15 or something, right? It, there's a lot of servers for that one, and I'm sure this year it'll be even bigger. I'm going to do the math on my calculator. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking Homestead. They had seven or eight splits last So 15 times 40 is 600. No, they had over 1,000 people signed yeah, up. Yeah, I think it was like, not? I want to say 1,200 or something. Because the Indy 500 was over 1,000. Right. And so what number did I just say for this race? 4,684. Okay, but divided by the average, you know, it's technically 1,000 right. teams Cars, then, right? right? So it's 1,000 entries. Right. But it's still impressive. I, would you say? Could you say this is the most popular race on iRacing? It'll be that and Le Mans. I would think are the two more uh, two popular ones. 
We'll have to look at what Lamar's numbers are. I have no idea, but we'll look at the, that this year and try to we remember. Should save but... the, we should save that data and compare it to all these special events and see what it does. I'm this sure is a potentially dumb it. question, but is the road side of things bigger than the oval side of things with iRacing? I think overall, yes. You count world numbers and whatnot. Yeah, it's true. I think there's more participation in total in the oval, but in the road there is more. I don't know how to, I don't know how to articulate this properly, but I, I would feel that there's more races going on with more people in it in the the oval side during a a span of a period over the mount probably road is more specific dates that people will show up for. Yeah, you're yeah. probably right. I mean, this is a once a year event. And I would say based on that number, 4,684, you could probably say this is the most popular event on iRacing. And the reason it was probably, it's probably got that many is they're, they're you know, the day night transition was probably their biggest draw. Oh, yeah, I huge agree. draw. All right, Day so something else. The coolest things I racing's ever done. Oh yeah, I loved it in the car when I was actually running the car, like Mason, uh, and it was just coming up, and it was so gradual, you know, that you didn't realize it at first, and all of a sudden, oh wow, it's getting lighter. You right, come experience so, again at Charlotte. Yeah. So one of the GTE teams didn't feel the driver higher than a low three thousand I rating. Yet somehow they made split number one. That's a pretty much abuse of the I rating system to get a six point or a six thousand plus driver to register the team and then never race for whatever reason. So somebody documented that a team did that. Man. Do you think I racing is going to do anything about it? No, it's not illegal. True. That's how it's designed. It's unethical, but. I play by the rules you're set with. Yeah, I mean it could be innocent. Maybe the guy is part of the team. He did register, and then maybe his power supply died, and he didn't get to run any laps. Can we? Uh, you know, I'm not gonna. We were no better. I mean, both. I think both our sides did the same type of thing, but we we're going the raced way. in it. We just raced in it, right? We purposely. I think. Yeah, I want to say we purposely had the lowest guy enter the room first. Yeah, that's what they. Yeah, so we're basically the opposite of it, but trying to keep us in a lower split. Right. We don't want to race the aliens. We want to race people we can race with. <laughs> so just so I understand, it does the split based on the first person to enter the room, not the average of the team. That's it right. Does it, it does it. It the average of the team if they're all registered as the. From what we were figuring out, if say you all six of us registered. And then the rate room started, it would have taken our average and done it. But if you just put one person in and then everybody afterwards, it's, once the room's loaded up and ready to go, we all joined after that. That's when it, it takes that first person's I rating. So it'll average if you go in before the warm-up. Correct. That's what, that's right. what we were so led you did, to believe. So the trick is, is nobody goes in except the one guy until after the race starts. Thanks, Chris J. Scales. I gave him the idea, actually. Uh, all right, let's keep moving. Uh, Tony, tell us about Enzo Bonito. Yeah, yeah, this is a this is a really good story. Um, they had a race of champions uh, in Mexico, and 
well, them uh, and the McLaren Shadow Project both tweeted out a congratulations to Enzo Benito for beating Formula E and XF1 driver Lucas uh, Degrassi. Um, the the car they competed in was a two-seater Vuel 05. I don't know the car, but it's uh, actually kind of looked like um, uh, yeah. Never mind, because it's not even coming to me anymore. Um, but this this made some pretty good headlines. Um, Ray Ofala, he uh, he threw up some words about the whole deal, and I thought they were really good. He says, uh, for years I've been arguing that the top sim racers are really good drivers and would kick ass given the proper training. Now we are seeing more and more get the chance to prove it. I couldn't be more proud of Enzo Benito. The future is bright racing. Hell yeah. I mean, he got it done. He beat uh, Ryan Hunter Ray in a head-up, head-to-head battle. And then the other guy, uh, the Lucas Degrassi, he beat him on a head-to-head too. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Whenever I saw that story pop up on Twitter, I was shocked um, for it to be like in my most popular views or whatever. Yeah, Formula Um, One was tweeting about it and what they said. Formula One says the lines between motorsport and F1 esports get blurrier by the day. And this, uh, a little bit more on the car, it was a uh, 285 horsepower car, uh, four cylinder. Um, it's it looks like a small Miata with a spoiler and no windshield. That's the best way I can describe it. Uh, it says it was purpose built for the racetrack. That's a pretty small, like tight very technical type racetrack. It's almost like a, a, a really super fast go-kart. The, kind of, the car kind of looks like. They were, the way that they do that race, it reminds me of what they used to do with, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the X Games, what they used to do with the rally cross in there, and where they'd have to both, It's there's two different, um, I guess it looks like there's two different courses, and they got to go around both of them, and then it takes the full lap time of, each person and whoever right. gets to the line first. Yep. Yeah. Looks like a lucky fan gets to sit in the car with the drivers too. Uh, I was wondering what that was. It's either that or it's a co-driver that uh, tells them what corners are. I'm not too much familiar with it. It's a pretty small track. I'm sure you'd have it figured out pretty quick. Well, congratulations to Enzo Bonito. Uh, that is very impressive to be uh, invited as a sim driver and actually beat these guys. Uh, very impressive. All right, Greg, you got a GTE Endurance Pro qualifying series update. So I'm glad that you guys uh, gave me this one because uh, David and I were at because we are part of this uh, qualifier and uh, we do this every other Sunday uh, when it comes up. But uh, we were talking about doing it on the Sunday of the Daytona 24 hours but i was like no i'm not going to have another race after we do in the 24-hour race so uh there was a post um from tyler hudson said that due to recent activities surrounding the gt endurance pro qualifying series we discussed internally and all agreed to add one drop week to the series the overall standings will take your best points for five weeks out of the six of the season so you know it's a good thing that they're doing that because obviously a lot of people missed this week, the way that they put the schedule, they missed the race um, of the week that the 24 hours was on. So 
you know, that'll be probably considered the drop week now for a lot of guys. It's, it's our drop week. Um, but there's an argument being said in here that uh, all the drop week does is increase the, the more aggressive drivers uh, driving from the people uh, that have the opportunity to drop points. Uh, someone also made the argument, you have uh, three races in a weekend to score points. If you crash out of all three, maybe you shouldn't be racing in the actual series. Well, um, I so, mean, the, I think the bigger argument is the timing of the announcement of the drop box, drop. Yeah, week. and I think that's the, you know, it's, it seems like they, what they should have done with that series is they should have, you know, knowing that maybe it's just an oversight by them looking at the actual 24 hours, but knowing the 24 hours was coming up, maybe they should have staggered that the weekends differently when they started the series right. so that it wasn't, you know, on a dropping that's what on a happened, weekend of that. They didn't realize that 24 hours is the same day as this, you know, same time as this thing. Yeah, so I have that uh, tamper monkey, I think is what we called it, or whatever thing that shows participation um, up for the series homepage for that series. And the first race it was averaging about 160 cars in the race. Then second race was again 160-ish. Um, but that one after Daytona, was cut in half. Oh. Which is well, not a surprise. Yeah, Fraser Williamson says on the forums, too late. Teams already called off an attempt at the GTE Pro in favor of the Daytona 24-hour, and now you're telling us there's a drop week. That's rather annoying. So we they have teams that, you know, are road teams, and they're looking at the schedule, and they're like, okay, what are we going to run? Oh, if we run this road to pro... Uh, endurance pro thing we can't run the 24 hour because there's no drop weeks and so they decide okay the 24 hour is more important to us so we're not going to run the pro and now three four weeks in then they they realize oh there's a drop week i don't want to be too critical here but um it just seems to me that some of the i don't know if it's a growing pain that iRacing's going through but there seems to be a lot of backtracking after the fact i think there's some series that are growing faster than they can come up with rules and things to um you know to be satisfy the people i mean you're not going to satisfy everybody but there just seems some stuff that's being missed right now because there's so many series being added and thrown together quickly at last minute that they've just had some oversights that have you know sanctioning body to, problem yeah and it's it's and, and I feel bad for Tyler because he's the one that's, you know, facing the brunt and having to answer a lot of the, you know, feedback from people and, and, and take their criticism on it. And I mean, that's probably that's what his job is. So but, you know, there's there's some growing pains that they're going through right now. And I think, you know, we as a community need to be patient with it. But there's also some things that they just got to, you know, maybe there just needs to be either have some more people look into it or, you know, reach out to the community a little bit more and listen to what they're saying. Well, and they're saying, if you can change this rule to add a drop week in the middle of the season, why can't you change the rule to uh, not allow people to switch cars in mid-season? Well, and that's a huge thing because switching cars mid-season or any track, you know, you get the better car for the right track situations, right? Because there is a difference in those GTE cars. Right. Yeah. Torque curves and stuff like that. All right, let's keep moving. Mason, uh, Sim Racing Apps Update. 
Yeah, so a lot of us use sim racing apps uh, for our telemetry, uh, fuel mileage, and whatnot. So they put out an update uh, for server version 1.8. Uh, if you go to sim racing apps on the Facebooks, um, there's links in there to download it. Some of the, the changes, the highlights. Um, iRacing changed some of the telemetry names, and they added the content from the December 2018 bill, which would be the Roval, Sakuba Circuit, Chili Bowl, the Delar F3, and the Formula Renault 3.5. Um, now they have telemetry for those. Uh, they updated the Electron to 4.0.0, and it could solve some of the problems that it has been causing. Not sure what that means because I'm not a computer genius, but I'm sure it's important. And uh, it's now displaying the sim time. This is important um, for, the, for the day of the race in all widgets that we're displaying the current time before. So you will get accurate uh, sim time for that. And there are also some new widgets like an HYS bar and in-car adjustments. Now, the HYS bar is the hybrid stuff, right? I'm, guess, I'm just trying to remember the acronym for it. I think it's the hybrid now that you can actually see when you're in the, for the, uh, when it's diminishing the energy. Yes, I do believe that is correct. So that's a very, that's a really good one to have now for that, uh, for those cars that have it. Yeah, it says for battery charge percentage and deployment. That's that's really crucial to have now for that. This would have been good to have uh, this some of this stuff for the 24 hours, especially the time and stuff like that. And also, um, they fixed issues with the track map at the Circuit of the Americas. The finish line was in the wrong place at Grand Prix West. And Pet Row was not mapped correctly at Grand Prix East, so they fixed those. Yeah, it's a great app, man. I'm using it whenever I'm racing. Um, great eye candy stuff. I'm amazed more people don't know about sim racing apps. It's I literally can't race without it, if anything, just to count me down to my pit stall. Yeah, that's, that's when I first started using it, was just for that. But since then, I've been going through it and adding new stuff and trying everything. Well, like... Uh... I don't know if you were on there, uh, Mason, when uh, Brent or uh, David was trying to get me to add an uh, standings thing on my stream while I wasn't in the car. And uh, he's like, just go down and do it. And I quickly went into the sim app and dragged a standings thing into my uh, stream and had it up while I wasn't in the car. You know, it's real easy to do. I was watching that conversation and laughing. But I appreciated the standings. All right, nice. Uh, Tony, electric cars and iRacing? Yeah, there was uh, a small discussion, five pages worth, um, about just that, electric cars and iRacing. Um, this fella, uh, ooh, I'm going to butcher, maybe, Juan Luis Alfaro, um, just posted up questions saying, you know, hey, sooner or later, uh, we're going to start seeing... Uh, you know the the electric car is going to get more and more popular with racing and it's it's they're going to bring it into i racing and and how is uh you know how is that going to work and is it going to you know be popular and all that stuff um and uh you know some somebody put up a a pretty funny little answer saying you know <laughs> all cars in i racing are powered electric electrically already and uh well, hands down to that guy. He pointed out the obvious. Um, but uh, staff member Eric Hudik, uh, he posted up. He says, you know, it, it's the future. Get used to it. 
not a big game changer for them as they say all their engines are modeled as motors already um i know it's a, it's an uh, up and down kind of conversation some guys hate it some guys love it uh the torque and acceleration are like instantaneous so the power delivery is um would be awesome but um does this thing kind of excite you guys or not do you guys you get that right how he wrote that all all our engines are modeled as motors already that's you know electric is a motor not a, an engine yeah all they have to do is change the torque torque curve or whatever right the thing is is i think this is becoming an issue or not an issue a, a topic now because of formula e has caught on huge in in europe like formula e yeah. is is big over there the only thing i can see is when uh electric cars would like in i racing would become more uh relevant would be um when they stop racing on the street circuits that are temporary circuits when they when they maybe when they start taking them to you know a silverstone or an Indy or things like that where they're not on a really hard thing to like we, we've already seen how long it's taken them to to do detroit you know as a temporary circuit. well it is a temporary circuit um and then was it long beach that one's never really fully released ever right so never finished yeah yeah so i think the day that they start racing in a more you know a set racetrack i think that could become a possibility for uh, i racing but i don't think because you don't want to race these e-cars if they're not on the tracks that you you know that they race on right yeah they're mostly street races uh, i believe and I mean, if they built a, a Formula E car, I think it'd be fun. I would probably buy it and try it because it'd be interesting to see how the engine works, you know, as far as acceleration and torque. And I think uh, Forza 7, I think it's Forza 7, has, and I think Project Cars as well, I think they have e-cars in it. And it's a, it's a, it's a totally different way of driving because you don't have the sound. You have the tire squeal, but you don't have the sound. So when you go to one of these events, you go to like a Formula E event, um, are you required to put your phone on silent? So, you know, if you happen to get a phone call, you don't distract the drivers? It's not an airplane. It's a car. It still makes a hum. <laughs> it's more of like that, that whine, like, you know, when you, um, when you, it's actually like the, what are the, those cars, those electric cars that go around the track, the sound that they kind of make, um, you know, that you played as with as a kid. Well, it's obviously a future revenue stream for iRacing to be able to do the Formula E series and, and uh, put that in iRacing. I mean, we don't have it. If they added it, you know, that would drive, you know, revenue. And, and I could see them doing it in the future, you know, when they run out of other stuff to scan and put out. They really need to figure out how to do street circuits like the you know there's some street circuits that they need to add to the irising already they just need to figure out how to get more of them in here all right let's keep moving mason clint boyer and zach leonardi yeah so if you don't remember zach leonardi is our world of outlaws late model champion um from iRacing and he is actually a real life late model driver as well um but uh there's a youtube video up on iRacing's uh, youtube page of clint boyer meeting zach Lee and hardy at the uh charlotte at the dirt track at charlotte 
and uh, they they talk a little bit before they get in the car together. He has a clipboard has a two seater with uh, two steering wheels, and so that Zach could kind of turn the steering wheel and do the same kind of motions that Clint was doing. Um, and then Clint like lets him take a spin in his uh, late model around Charlotte. So Clint Boyer is lauding iRacing a lot and saying how realistic not only the dirt is, but also the road and oval sides. And just listening to him talk is fun in general. So it was a very, very well done video. Pretty cool to see that's part of his prize for winning that, those races was to be able to have this uh, test with Clint, with Clint, you know, on the dirt. If anybody you want to go hang out with a NASCAR for a day, it's probably Clint Boyer is one of the ones on the top of the list because the way his personality is, especially in the dirt side for him too. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, I guess it's no surprise that Zach is a real late model driver too, and he's obviously bringing real racing experience into this. I just can't get over the fact that where I was, you know, nine years, ten years ago when I started seeing, you know, people just racing, and then you get these guys now get to go and do these opportunities, you know, have opportunities of a lifetime to get in cars that they would never have gotten a chance to probably or any exposure to if they, you know, didn't race on here. Right. Pretty cool pack uh, package for winning that uh, championship. All right, let's keep moving. Greg, uh, season two schedule input. Okay, so this will be a quick one we go through here, but uh, Tyler Hudson was uh, asking for uh, help again on figuring out what season two schedule should be. Um, and uh, He spammed the forums. This is just uh, three of the maybe 30 posts that he put out. Yeah, so every everything that they are, every um, series that they've got, they want uh, your input in to see uh, what the schedule should be for uh, season two. Um, I don't know how many weeks are we away from that. Not not that long, are we? No. Um, but, uh, geez, if we're not already that long from season two, that means a build's coming soon, too. It says by February 20th is when he needs it. Okay, so, you know, we got like a month to go here on this. But, you know, this is how you guys can get you know, get the races in an order, the races that you want over a 12 week period. You know, if you put your input on it, this is how you guys can, you know, race the tracks you want to race for 12 weeks here. If you're really, you know, into those, if you're into those series all the time, you might as well put down your opinions on it. So here's how you do it. You go in the forums and you get on the car forum of the car that you're wanting to run. And in there, you will work with the people in those forums to, come up with a common ground for season two track schedule. And then as a group, one of you will email it to Tyler Hudson and that's it. Now Tyler does the oval, but on the roadside, it's another guy. It's Alexander Alex Horn. Horn, right? Yeah. Alex.horn at iRacing.com. But he doesn't want an email from everybody. He wants the community to work together in the forums to get a consensus and send them one schedule. And they even give you a nice Excel template to type the schedule into to submit. And Tyler's is tyler.hudson at racing.com as well. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, the NASCAR iRacing Series Pro Series uh, concluded. Um, wraps up this week. The uh, top 20 in points have now become... Peak drivers. And this is a big story. Uh, we got new peak drivers. They all have a pro license now. Um, last time I looked at this, they were not pros. 
Now they are. Um, congratulations to Blake Reynolds, who won the championship. Okay? So that's something, just to win that. But uh, I'm going to read off the names of the people that have moved on. And see if you guys recognize any of these names you probably have run with in the past. Uh, Blake Reynolds, Cody Bias, Ashton Crowder, Nathan Lyon, Garrett Lowe. That's your top five. I'm going down in order. Corey Vincent, Jarl Tian, Michael Garalio, Kane Cook, Benjamin Nelson, Eric J. Smith, Chris Overland, Dylan Duvall, Malik Ray, Brandon Hayes Catelli. Adam Benefield, Logan Kress, Jake Nichols, Casey Tucker, and 20th, Timmy Hill, the NASCAR Cup driver, Timmy Hill, got 20th. Yeah, squeaked in by one point, it looked like. Yep. Over and, two drivers. Uh, yeah, and so it's Homestead for the final event. Uh, apparently, yeah, he snuck in. Uh, Dylan C. Jones missed out just by a little bit, finished 21st. Uh, pretty tough pill to swallow there, I bet. Uh, congrats to our friend John Hammer, a uh, friend of the pod- podcast. He's involved uh, with Gen X working on setups for uh, Logan Cress. And Logan Cress did finish 17th. And he's now going to be in peak. So congrats to Hammer. He's back in peak. Uh, he was in peak several years ago uh, with a different uh, team and driver. And now he's back. And uh He's going to be supporting Logan Kress uh, as they go into peak. So congrats to John. Uh, Ray Alfalo, his team had a big uh, showing as well. Um, Even though Ray is already a peak driver, he has several people on his team that made it into peak, uh, including uh, three of them, Chris Overland, Brandon Catelli, and Jake Nichols. So Chris Overland used to be in it all the time, so he must have had to, this time he had to qualify to get back into it. Yep. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how that works. And uh, there's a, a Twitter status about uh, Chris Overland gets a sim seat as a gift from Ray Alfala. Huh. That's interesting. And, uh, well, he's got to have something to race in. Apparently he doesn't have a, a nice uh, seat. So they got him a sim seat rig uh, for the peak iRacing series. So Apparently he was doing fine enough without it. Yeah. Now, remember, the uh, draft is coming up at the end of the month for these guys. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. All right. Uh, the next part of this is it's kind of in a related story. Uh, we got some uh, Twitter posts from G2 Esports, and they're one of the teams that's going to be involved in that draft. And uh, they said, we're excited to be part of the official NASCAR series. We're ready to meet everybody on the track. And so I went over there and gave them a follow on Twitter. And um, <clears throat> they say they're the world premier esports club. And they do have a Discord. And they have a website, g2esports.com. But uh, pretty cool how these uh, <clears throat> traditional race teams are getting involved. But also these eSIM teams that are involved in stuff, you know, apparently over in Europe. You know, that I'm not really aware of. I can't say I'm really familiar with any of it. The right. funny thing is, is the esports stuff is is really gaining momentum now. And and it's it's something if it, it's got to be something crazy now that if, you know, something that's a, an esports league or thing has noticed iRacing 
because of they're, they're saying in here because uh, they've seen you know they see the uh, money being put up and things like that just you know have brought from established organizations which is really uh, good to see like it's you know the exposure is starting to get out there all right let's keep moving uh, I got this one offline session launcher so a driver named Philippe I'm just going to use his first name uh, created a uh, executable software download thing that you can install and run that would give you an offline session with fixed weather which is really important to have fixed weather when you're doing testing and setup changes and that kind of thing and so you know he posted it up in the forums he's sharing it with everybody a lot of people are excited about it because right now there's no way to test with fixed weather and so you don't know when you're, you know, making setup changes. Oh, was that the spring I changed or was it the cloud that came over, you know? And so it's made that more difficult. And so this tool would give them back the option of that fixed weather that they currently don't have in iRacing. And <clears throat> not sh long after it was posted up about it, uh, Tony Gardner did go onto the post and basically said in a, in the most polite way that you could say, uh, please cease and desist um, is the way I'm going to paraphrase it. He said it much, much nicer than that. But, um, and, and he basically said this is an allowed kind of thing. Now, what's happened since then is that post has been removed. Um, it completely deleted. I don't know if it went off the rails after he said that. Um, and so then another post got started by somebody saying, oh, why did that post get deleted? Blah, 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 you know. And so we did get a, a reply from Tony Gardner again about this. And I'm going to read part of this, uh, his response here. Because um, I think it gives us some insight into how third-party apps are allowed or not allowed and how that, how that interaction with iRacing can be good or bad. Okay, so I'm going to read this it says i know philippe is just trying to help the community which is great but it was very nice of him to do this we apologize that when we rolled out the time of day feature in the last build that you lost the ability to have set weather and testing we know some people want it we are adding the functionality back to have set weather and testing and hosted it is in the works however no one should be accessing our internal protocols in iRacing without permission I also would be pretty careful about sending your login information to a third party. He went on to say, I just wish he asked first. I don't think that the approval process is worth it now at this point, since we're planning on putting it back out the same functionality. And so they had a problem because he didn't ask for permission in this scenario to do this. And, um, so they pulled his forum post and whatnot. But what do you guys think about this uh, with third-party apps? Yay, nay? I mean, ultimately, in the end, it's iRacing's duty to protect their source code. I understand why they were getting a little defensive about that. There's one thing... There, it's one thing to have something like sim racing apps, which, yeah, has its own API to plug into it. But it's another thing to have something that's basically one step short of cracking. And then, then, then they have people who just access the software for free, and then that's dangerous when they can when AI come because basically it's going to increase that, you know, it's going to increase people not wanting to get membership because they can just play a single player AI experience. It's just a slippery slope to go down. Yeah, I mean they have a nice API, 
a lot of third-party apps do a lot of great things that the sim doesn't do and so i wouldn't want that to go away you know and so we got to be careful about that and and i'll kind of paraphrase but you know part of what he was saying was you know those third-party apps in in lots of cases they come to iRacing and, and ask for permission and in some cases when they do iRacing shuts it down and nobody even knows about those and so it just really depends on what it, what it's for and, and that kind of thing. In this particular scenario, they're planning on bringing it out here shortly, and so they're not going to allow this guy to basically do what he was planning. I'd be very curious just from a nerd standpoint to see how it was going to interact with the login servers. Because, I mean, it's not... I, I guess if it sent... I'm curious to see how it would have handled sending the credentials over and then verifying it. Yeah, the or programmer did. Yeah, there was a reply from him that said uh, that the credentials were never were always just kept locally. Oh, that's probably the big thing I had an issue with. But regardless, uh, he didn't ask permission. So, so yeah, if you're gonna do that, yeah, and you should talk to iRacing about what you're doing, and because apparently what he's doing is just simple web calls, you know, HTML stuff that's available you know the iRacing that the stuff is there to do it iRacing this hasn't taken the time to make it you know where you can actually click it and do it maybe they should hire right. him <laughs> <laughs> right you, you know i've actually worked resume. with i've worked with iRacing a lot and they they always have been very straightforward to uh work with i mean they uh Especially with the Mission 22 race coming up, they I actually have a call uh, from them. I'm supposed to. I've been going back and forth. We're trying to set a time for me to uh, call and explain the race, and they may be promoting that. They're very willing to work with them. If you work with you, if you're willing to work with them, right. Well, let's keep moving, Mason. Hostesses with the mostesses. Yeah, we uh, Brent McCoy and I um hopped in a race here by that was hosted by NASCAR drivers Harrison Burton, Ashton Crowder, Blake Cook, Matt Tiff, Christian Eckes, and there's one more that I can't remember the name of. Regardless, uh we got our picture tweeted up on Harrison Burton's uh Twitter uh of the Irishers Lounge truck leading the pack. Uh and it, w- it was a blast there doing some drafting practice at Daytona at night. And uh, it was just a, a practice session, but we had some pit parties where we were uh, running together, and, and it was fun seeing how they handled the trucks in sim. Um, and then we also have the current NASCAR champion, Joey Logano, and spotter TJ Majors up there um, doing the iRacing as well. Uh, they were running a hosted race, I believe, with the Team Marble iRacing. And uh, it looks like TJ Majors finished, uh, where was it in here? Yeah, Jeff Marble is a listener, and I picked this up off his Facebook feed. Uh, He put up a video of he was running with Joey Logano and TJ Majors. Didn't TJ Majors get a start? Like, didn't Dale find him back in NR2003 from Sim Racing? Yep, that's how he got hooked up with Dale Jr., yep. Looks like our, our teammate Tyler Conroy might have been in that race. All right. Well, it's pretty cool to see uh, the current champ, Joey Logano, on iRacing in the off season. That is, that cool. is cool. I mean, that is so cool. <laughs> All I'm right, curious uh, if he talked to fans or anything like that from the race, if he had his mic on. You know, I didn't take time to watch the video, but there is a video at Team Marble iRacing on Facebook. It's called Cup Race at Michigan, so go check it out. 
uh, our buddy Jeff Marble over there. By the way, he has one of the best pick. He has an interesting pick crew uh, uniforms. They're American flags. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Blake Cook and Harrison Burton and all them did talk to the fans. So that was awesome. That's cool. All right, Tony, uh, we got a poll. Is it time to upgrade? Yeah. Uh, um, Jeremy Dorian uh, put up a poll. He was He was asking for... Some help he's looking to upgrade in a year. Um, he currently has a 1080 Ti, and he was just wondering if it would be uh, worth his while to upgrade to a, a 2070 uh, card. And, no. <laughs> well, that's that. Overwhelmingly, that's what the poll says. Um, there, there was actually quite a bit of hits on this one. Um, almost 100 people piped in, and 95% of them said, "Stick with your uh, 1080." Ti the 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 twenty yeah the ten eighty Ti to me is still the best card in the market the twenty eighty the twenty seventy all those I know for a fact they're still having some major driver heating. issues heating driver they blue screen very frequently I mean I have a ten eighty not even the Ti and I don't plan on upgrading for the next three or four years right yep uh, pretty easy poll ninety five percent yeah wow. <laughs> Yeah, the 1080 Ti is what I bought, um, and I'm happy with it. I don't think it's an upgrade to go to a 2070 or even the 2070 Ti. It's not worth it. iRacing doesn't even take effect, take uh, use of the uh, the features. Ray tracing, I think they call yeah. it. Yeah, it doesn't. If the stuff you use isn't supported by the... If your card isn't supported by the stuff that they're using, it's not a point. I worded yeah. that awfully, but well, may, may, you know, maybe in the future, once they got the the bugs worked out of the card for the overheating issues, and then, you know, once more uh, once more programs kind of jump on the on the the new way of doing things with the ray tracing, the uh, the twenty series may be a little bit may maybe a better choice, but we're we're obviously not not there right now. All right. All right. Um. Yeah. Next up, uh, the title of this one is just absolutely awesome. Mason, nice job. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Um, <laughs> so it, yeah. it seems that there was some uh, practice sessions put up for um, the F3 at uh, Interlagos, and it was pitch black. Um, that, that would make it uh, extremely hard to, to run. Some guys were, were still you know sticking it out and, and trying it out. Um, no headlights there. Well, yeah, no, no headlights, no, no track lights, obviously. Um, but it, it seems like it's the, the end of the, uh, practice sessions that were in complete darkness. Um, Alexander Horn, uh, got back to everybody in the post to say that, you know, during the race, the race isn't long enough to, to hit the, uh, to hit the dark for darkness to come. So that won't be an issue, but if you're, you know, if you're in at the the near the end of the practice sessions, you're kind of effed. Um, there's not much they can do about that. Get some flashlights and duct tape. You'll be fine. That's what I was just gonna say. So, do you think they've fixed this problem, or they just add in a point where you can go into the pits and grab a flashlight? <laughs> I don't think they're gonna do anything because they want the practice and the race to start at the same time of day. The practice runs way longer than the race. They're just gonna. They're not gonna do anything on this. No, it's it's just unfortunate how it happens at certain tracks. Well, hey, on the flip side, I mean, 
see how you can do running in pitch black. It could be interesting for a lap or two. Do you think we, you can get a lap done? Is that the new... So is, when it goes into the darkness, that's the new bird box challenge? There it is. There it is. <laughs> we had a race uh, in the Super Speedway Series uh, about two weeks ago where I messed up, and it was at uh, Talladega, and I put it on 2X and thought, you know, it will be dust, but we should be able to do it. We get to, like, lap 70, and then we're running in pitch black on a Super Speedway. It was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. But fun, right? Yeah, it was fun until we had to postpone it because nobody could see. Like, some of us could still see, and there's actually the way the day-night cycle works is there's a certain point on the track where it'll refresh how it should be. Um, and and Talladega, it's between three and four. So it went from us being able to see, you know, a little bit just fine, not that bad, to pitch black going through the dog leg. So, yeah, we had to stop that one. Sounds like a good one for the... Uh... Team Tifosi in the iRacers Lounge to do an experiment like that. Yeah, I've, when the day-night thing first came out, I was running Talladega at night, and it was fun. But we had the Cadillacs, we had headlights. Those Cadillacs are fun to draft in. Yeah, yeah, it was a big old draft pack and at night. It was a blast. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Greg, I want to title this one uh, Pitchforks and Torches. Now... Michael, I'll get you to help me with this one just because I was trying to figure out the, the, what they're talking about in the league part here. But um, first, there's a poll up for uh, the browser or the beta UI. And uh, I clicked on it knowing what the results were already going to be. Yeah. And uh, it's an overwhelming percentage. <laughs> 93% want browser and no beta UI. So, uh, so that was a poll put up by uh, Adam locker and yep. uh so then it went down to i guess um the problems that people are having with the beta ui and is it league racing here mike is that what they're talking that's about that's just yes. one of many I, I just pulled this one out as an example but I'm, I'm not kidding when i say there's many okay there's a lot of different posts in the forums that have issues specifically related to beta ui this is just one of them uh i don't want to keep beating a dead horse here guys but the reason we keep talking about this every week is because people are talking about it in the forums if they're going to talk about it we're going to talk about it i was going to say mike we're going to have to uh you know create a bumper for uh for this topic it's almost a, a weekly thing now yeah it is almost uh what this one was if you created a league uh event for your league it was actually showing up over and hosted and uh, it was certainly jacked up and in fact, OBRL was having uh, problems getting their uh, events to show correctly. And it depended on how you joined, if you were allowed to join. They were getting uh, this thing where league members weren't allowed to join or something. I still, to this day, have that. Yeah? Yeah, I, I have to tell people to join through the beta UI to this day. Yep, yeah, there's some kind of issue with that. Um, and it's all because of the beta UI. And so... Um, because that's where they created the session and it kind of drives from there apparently. I had one Monday where I set it up as for my locked league and it allowed OP is set in the three leagues. It allowed members from all three leagues to join a race, even though it was set for one in specific. Yeah. Yeah. And I it heard... also threw it in open hosted. So that was fantastic. So everybody saw it. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I read from other people that have had the same experience. 
Because I know that this, I know with OBRL, they're having problems because guys were asking if some of the tracks, you know, that have day-night transitions, that they were going to run it, and they couldn't figure out the easier way to do it without using the UI, which you can't. So that's why they're not running any transitions this season because of the beta UI. Unfortunately, all of our Daytona races, all of our, our new Daytona races are day-night transitions. And we like to do we like to do all the other ones set up like that because the fluctuation in temperature affects how much tape you run and how hard you can push. So it adds a new challenge every week. All right, and also uh, somebody we follow on the forums for for stories is Nick Neben. He actually put up a YouTube video, a fourteen minute YouTube video describing the differences between doing it in the beta UI versus doing it in the browser, and he actually. Uh, goes through this and does several things like, okay, I'm going to join an official race. And he shows how it's done in the beta UI. And then he shows how it's done on the website. And he talks about how efficient it is one way and inefficient it is the other and the, the time differences. And, and he, he literally shows the, the shows you in the video what the issue is. And so you can check out his video search. Uh, I don't know what his YouTube uh, page is. Let me look. Nebon5, K-N-E-E-B-O-N-5. So yeah, go check him out if you want to see that. Uh, Greg, uh, VR Issues is next. So this is going, you know, kind of almost tides with the beta UI every time as well. Um, and they're talking about, uh, who was it here? So um, Alex Horn was answering um to uh whose question was it? i'm just trying to find the original post here well the post was about something completely different but then alex said oh by the way we are aware of vr issues we're gonna work on it yeah so they're saying they got a whole bunch of improvements coming for vr but i think that they were originally talking about was vr static menu which means they want to be able to use the menu without vr uh, instead of being in vr the whole time on the beta ui where they have a point from what I could read is that they want, when they enter the SIM, they can hit a, th hit, hit a, a button where it says turn to VR. And so your headset is ready then from that point on, and you don't have to wear it to be in the whole UI. Um, so it sounds like they're working on something so that it doesn't have to work that way because there is, I have seen it from some of the other YouTube people that I follow and Twitch followers that, you know, from other games, they can, they can, access all the menus without the uh vr so that's what they're talking about here is trying to get it to onto the point where some of those um games are as well all right so they're working on it soon soon all right next uh fan attack is hiring they have a job posting for electronic engineer and uh they're hiring multiple positions and giving away a podium dd1 wheel if you recommend the person they end up hiring so if you know somebody who wants a job in uh, Landshut, Germany, maybe you gonna, can win a wheel. <laughs> you, I'm going to recommend you, Mike. You going to move? No. Aww. Sounds fun, though. All right, Mason. Okay, nine. I wonder if you get the uh, direct drive wheel before the other people get it. Nine. <laughs> All right, Mason, Ty Majewski. Yeah, so I, I found this one on, uh, I believe it was Dave Moody's Twitter. Um, he was replying to a iRacing user's uh, picture up of the top-ranked iRacer in the world. It is currently Tyler Majeski, followed by 
Ty Majeski. So Ty Majeski created a second account just so he could be second to himself. <laughs> so I've then, heard of other racers doing that too, especially uh, there's one guy in the IndyCar series who has three accounts and they're all like in the top three. And he, uh, Ty Majeski, replied to Dave Moody um, saying, I figured people may have thought just one account at the top was a fluke. <laughs> yeah, I pulled him up in iRacing. Uh, both those drivers you mentioned, Tyler Majeski and Ty Majeski. One of them was started seven years ago, and he has an I rating of 10,664. Wow. And then the other one was started five years ago, and it was has an I rating of 10,706. I wonder how he decides which one to get on. Is that all? Are they both oval? That's oval I rating, yes. Now, he only <laughs> runs late model, and that's how he really pulls that off. I feel like if he ever got last place in a race, he dropped like 3,000 I rating. Or if he got in the A car and ran NIS, yeah, where would he be then? <laughs> yeah, I would love to see an NIS race with him. Right. I, I want to see what his I rating would be in an NIS situation instead of the late model. That's got to be one of the highest I ratings in I racing, though. It is. It's the top two, actually. That's right. All right, Ty, time to get on here. We'll race with you. It's too bad he doesn't have a NASCAR ride this season. Man. I could probably beat him. <laughs> Let's go to hardware software. Tony, Formula CSX Rim from Cube Control. Yeah, yeah I forgot I was starting this. Um, I've got no idea what the hell they're Your name's here. in red. I know. I can't read. Jeez. Um, I'm uh, somebody, yeah, thanks, Mason. Bail me out here, man. I'm drowning. <laughs> so this is a Cube Controls is the company. Um, they made a Formula CSX uh, new wheel here. Um, it's to rival the Fanatec wheel. Um, it's a big milestone for them, and it's in pre-order currently. But it's got all the fancy lights, uh, fancy. Um, uh, screen in the middle. It's got plenty of labels so that you can read those, Tony, with color coding. Thanks, man. I need the color codes. <laughs> got them. <laughs> but yeah, it looks like a, a pretty sweet beast. Yeah. Pre-order too. It's a sweet. Fifteen hundred euros. That Yikes. is crazy for a freaking wheel. I know it's got like it's got everything you need, and probably there's a coffee maker attached to the back but um wow that's that just pricey. shifter paddles there's no coffee maker well do what about the display paddles. that's built in i mean that looks so nice do you think that the way that this is designed justifies that price tag because obviously the fanatec is the closest competitor to it that looks like it i mean it has a lot more buttons it has the display without that saying the internals, is, i can't say that and the thing is is the you're basically just buying the rim there, so is that's a USB rim, I'm guessing, right? That uh, is on its own. It said PCD adapters. If it's standard three-hole, 50.8 millimeter PCD adapters. Hmm. It's high-end, man. You can tell by looking. Now it this looks display, like solid. This display, I, I I think this is probably the one of the biggest ones that we've seen. It's a it's a 4.3 inch uh, screen. Um, you know, there there is a lot of screen. Yeah, there is a lot of tech in this thing. So, um, I I guess that would 
justify the cost? My question is, is some of these companies that are making like, so this one is, it looks like it's almost being specifically made for an I like this, you know, a lot of the adjustment, if you look at how these things are all labeled, a lot of these look like, you know, all the things you're going to need for iRacing to use for it, right? Like there's oh, yeah. just, it just seems like it's set almost perfectly for, you know, I don't know what all the other Sims have for some of this, but iRacing has a, all these things that it's got on there. They got a nice GT wheel as well. Wow. It's uh, 889 euros. With suede. And got tons of buttons and paddles and everything. They're really nice designed wheels. Very, very nice website. Uh, very, yeah, cubecontrols.com. If you guys are interested in high-end wheels, check them out. All right, I'm going to get this one. Uh, VRS Direct Force Pro. All right, we talked about this before, that virtual racing school, VRS, is going to get in the hardware business. And so they made an announcement. They're going to release a direct drive wheel controller box optimized for the popular 20 nanometer small Mege motor. Our goal is to deliver a top quality controller that enables the small Mege wheel bases to be built for under US 1000. And so it's just a box that has electronics in it that you would hook a small Mege motor to for a kind of a do-it-yourself direct drive wheel, I guess. So no word on pricing, but it does indicate that you could get the whole package for under a thousand dollars. Yeah, it was interesting. There's a couple of forum posts just talking about it and seeing whether this is going to be a legitimate thing or not. And some people say no, some people say yes. So I'm I'm very curious to see what it ends up being. Yeah, and they've had their people using it for months now. They say so. Um, so it's been in use, uh, and you know they're saying it's a proven product. But yeah, we don't ha have any pricing yet. Uh, they're currently building more pre-production samples but in the hands of more of the VRS coaches as well as external testers. So more to come, I guess. I don't know. If I'm going to buy a direct drive wheel, I don't want to, I'm not a do-it-yourself kind of guy. I don't think I would do this. I really don't know anything about this, like as far as the technology behind it. So I just need to know more about it before we get into it. Uh, and, and trust me, there are forum posts in the hardware section of the forums where people do this. They build stuff from scratch. Uh, Bino is one of those guys that can build the, these kind of things up uh, from the ground up. And uh, this just makes it easier because all the electronic part of it, the software part of it, is what VRS has built here. So guess to make it a little bit easier. All right, uh, Mason, uh, let's talk about sim racing. Oh, I can't see it. Machines, a UK company. Yeah, simracingmachines.com is your website there. Um, they have custom steering wheels for the ultimate driving experience made from solid sheet carbon fiber, handmade just for you. Um, so what, what they've got on this website are some uh, a lot of custom things that you can use to convert your own wheels. Um, so they got uh, a lot of the Fanatec conversion kits. Um, so you can send them your wheel. And they will convert it for you and send it back and clean it and all the, the things that need done to it. Um, they have a conversion kit 
possibly being made for the Fanatec F1 2018 wheel, um, but they're not sure yet because they haven't actually gotten one, like many other people. Um, they have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a roll tonight. Um, they have. Uh, custom wheels already built for sale, like a Porsche 918 RSR rim converted for USB, Fanatec McLaren GT3 wheel converted to USB. So um, they also do have uh, gear shifters, all the cables you need, quick releases, just a whole bunch of the toys and uh, accessories that you could need for your wheels to make it work on your setup. Yeah, it looks like they're based out of Europe. Their pricing is in uh, euros or pounds. And uh, they have lots of different parts, adapters and wheel parts kind of thing. All right, let's, I actually missed a story. That's why I'm confused. Greg, Pro Sim Evo Pedals. So, just bring up the link here. Um, Pro Sim Evo Pedals. Um, it's a set of, is it, look, is it just a brake and a gas? I'm just looking yep. through. Yeah, it's just a throttle and a brake. Um, so it's 1,850, is that euros or, uh, yeah, pounds actually, it might be pounds. 1,850. Sorry, 1,850, um, from, uh, www.prosim.co.uk. Um, so it's basically a hydraulic brake, uh, with, it even has a master cylinder and everything, um. It's very, you know, from looking at the pictures on the website, they, it's very tough metal construction. Um, it, uh, you know, it, it's good. For, it looks like it doesn't come in its own. Is it mounted to something or you got to mount them? I'm just trying to figure you out. You got to figure out like they, how to mount them. Uh, yeah. So um, looking on this other, uh, looking here, it's a hydraulic brake and throttle pedal. Master cylinder, power brakes, uh, uh what was it Bino? Uh, was very impressed by them. Brakes are able to adjust very accurately to the exact curve. Uh, th throttle spring helps you feel exactly where the pedals is, so you can uh, you don't accidentally hover over the pedal. Pedals can be spaced apart as needed. So um, also in here they had uh, Gary Tall had posted a nice pictures yeah. pictures on his rig here of. Uh, how he's got them mounted and uh they look like a, a very nice um set of pedals like I, I don't i've never had any experience with a hydraulic pedal mike yours are hydraulic right yeah so i don't i don't know what the different i haven't felt the difference yet of uh uh the hydraulic uh, pedals but i they look like they they would be really uh nice pedals to race with yeah these are probably the most expensive that I've heard of, and we've talked about them in the past. I just wanted to bring them up again, and uh, because you can never learn too much about these, but these are definitely considered one of the best hydraulic pedals out there, and uh, you can tell by the price: uh, one thousand eight hundred fifty pounds. Um, they are in fairly high demand. There is a nice thread here where a lot of people are, yeah, putting up pictures and talking about it, and uh, lots of good things. You don't hear anything bad, that's for sure. But yeah, if you're looking for brakes, uh, you definitely need to be looking at that website too. All right, let's see what's next. Uh, Tony, handbrake mod. Yeah, figure you guys can all uh, take a step into the duct tape office here. Um, <laughs> talk about something where you don't need to take out a mortgage on your home to 
upgrade your rig. Um, uh, this fellow here, I was, I was scouring the uh, one of the face Facebook groups, um, and I come across this picture, and uh, Robert Carey invented this little uh, handbrake mod um, using an old Logitech uh, joystick. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not a whole lot to look at, but I'm sure it works just fine and just great. I just love the ingenuity of this, this stuff. It looks like it's an old, uh, he's repurposed like an old broom handle or, uh, some sort and stuck it on top, you know, ripped the joystick part off the, um, off the Logitech base and, uh, replaced it with this, uh, uh, broom handle or handle of some sort. Um, and, uh, that's what he uses for his handbrake. He also said that uh, he can use it as a sequential shifter too, if he likes. Um, I personally don't see why not. In the original post, he said uh, he used to use just rubber bands um, to get it to come back to center, but he's has since upgraded them to uh, to springs. So nice. we're on the right track here. It has the the distance of that throw is like American Truck Simulator throw size. There's like yeah. a board on top of it to kind of hold it down. Oh, that's what that's doing. No wonder how stable it was. It's kind of wedged in there. And he, yeah, he's got a <laughs> These four, rigs a two are getting by four. better by the week. Well, yeah, like I said, I mean, you can take a mortgage out on your house or you can just get a little creative. And I'm sure you got a bunch of broken crap laying around the house. Um, I got a garage full of that stuff. And um, yeah, I love it. I love it. This stuff is awesome. Better watch oh. out when he sits down. He's got a bolt sitting on that chair. I thought it looked like a pipe. You know, <laughs> I, I mentioned before we started recording, um, Mason, you, you'd uh, pointed out the, the seat cover he's got there. Um, but I'm a little disappointed that nobody has, uh, we haven't seen a picture of, um, you know, one of those uh, wooden bead uh seat covers that they all, you know, all the, the oh, cabbies the use. Rollers. The massage yeah. ones. Yeah. I'm, somebody's got to have one. Send us a there's picture, got, guys. There's got to be someone on the Bastard Racing League that runs one of those. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're probably not going to make it to the end of the next uh, race there. Great. That's okay. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed, does he have a little stuffed animal there as uh, good luck on the uh, desk? Is that there a squirrel? That almost looks like, um, oh, that little Looney Tunes character. Uh, I don't know what the heck he's called. Chimichanga or something like that. <laughs> Come on, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe? Literally no idea. All right, fine, whatever. Okay, next topic. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, uh, Joe Owen, a teammate, he had uh, given me a video because I was having some challenge with streaming. Uh, on how to optimize the NVIDIA control panel. And uh, I went through this video about nine minutes long, and I did exactly what the video says to click on in the NVIDIA control panel. And I changed a few settings. I have no idea what I changed. I don't know what any of that stuff is. But I did it, and wow, it made a huge difference. My uh, frames doubled. And so then I went back into my graphical settings in the sim and I turned everything up back up to high. I had turned off a few things because of frame rate issues. And now I'm running everything on high and I'm getting really good frame rates. And it's all because of this video. Um, in fact, the last setting it had me change um, 
changed the colors of my monitors a little bit. They're like more vibrant than they were before, and it's a noticeable different uh, difference. And I definitely highly recommend this. I'm going to tell you the web the YouTube uh, user is called Pangino, P-A-N-J-N-O. Go to his page. He has that how to optimize NVIDIA control panel. Now, if Joe hadn't told me to do that and I hadn't made the changes, I, would have, I wouldn't have a clue, you know. I have a brand new build that I just built a few months ago with a 1080 Ti with NVIDIA drivers. But no one ever told me to go and change this setting and that setting and this and that. And boy, it made a big difference. And uh, I think... Um, Adam did the same things as well, and I think he said he, he liked it. Greg, I think you were going to do it too? Or yeah, no, I haven't David had a chance to do it yet. David was going to do it as well. I did it. Um, I cranked the vibrancy that you were talking about up way too high the first time, and it was like a smack in the face when you looked at the screen. So you did, did you leave it where it was, or did you end up going higher? I went to what he said he ran his at, which was like 83, and it starts at 50. Right. And that was way too high. So I'm going to try 60 tonight. Right. Yeah, huge difference. Check that out. Um, I think that's something that we all forget about is you got to get all those settings right. And when you're in the control panel, the NVIDIA control panel, it's not real clear what you need to click on or make it right. And uh, this video definitely walks you through it. All right, let's keep moving. We're going to talk about our specific stints in the Rolex 24 hours of Daytona just a little bit to give everyone a chance to talk uh, about, you know, what their run was like. So I'll start. And I was in the DP car. I had eight X. I was actually the lowest of the team. I don't know how that's possible. I did a double and then later I did another. I spun three times, but I never hit anything. My times were in the 141s and the 142s. Uh, again, it was really nice to see that sunrise uh, and see the darkness to light. Uh, all right. Uh, Mason, uh, why don't you talk about yours? <laughs> okay. So uh, my first stint, like I said, was going from the daytime to the nighttime. And it was a very cool experience. I really did enjoy that, um, watching the sunset and all the lights come on. And especially the high beams on the cars. That was a, a pretty cool thing. I got 6X. Um, there was plenty of dodging of wrecks and, and cars that were slower from their own wrecks. Um, but we made it through that clean. Then my second stint, like I said, was in the morning. It was about midnight to 2.40 a.m. Eastern time for me. Um, but that was coming from nighttime to daytime. And uh, it was it was very bright. Um, unfortunately, I was trying to pass the leader, get a lap back and uh, in the bus stop. And he stayed on my outside longer than I anticipated, and I jacked the brakes and wrecked into the tire barriers, got stuck there, had to tow, minute oh, 53, optional That's the damage. one I got the video of, right? Oh, yeah, you got a video, because I streamed that sucker. <laughs> so I think overall I had maybe 15, 20x. All right. Uh, Greg, tell us about your run a little bit. Well, let's say, uh, I guess we can uh, put them all together here between you know tony's not here and chris um i'll do chris's first just because of the way that things went um so chris's first stint was the time he had an issue with his network um so what happened is he started to 
having problems and we had teammate david flowers uh was uh in there in the chat listening and chris was having trouble and uh david put an sos over uh the uh, messenger to get somebody in to come back to uh do it and brent went and uh rescued him uh well uh chris solved his network issue so brent did a stint um and then i guess um chris had wrote here uh three-hour stint to make up for what he had problems earlier. Um, he spun twice, uh, once behind a slower car on the bus stop, terrible recovery from the spin, couldn't find reverse. Uh, second spin was uh, overdriving, ran. Uh, he ran his first uh, 143 lap at Daytona during that stint uh, and then handed it off to David Hall. So then David, David and I were having, um, you know, there's two different stints that David and I ran that uh, we had different strategies on, but uh, also Tony in the night had um, Tony had I think late Saturday night and then really late into the Sunday morning um, just before I came on, and so his first stint, um, him and uh, I don't know, hold on, he had he had come in early uh, for a stint as Chris had not uh, had any issues. He was trying to make sure that Chris didn't have any issues. Um, but when he came in, he finally, uh, got some consistent times and, uh, Tony was able to make it through his first stint. He ran in the 145s most of his stint. Um, and then his other stint, he started in the morning. Um, I'm shocked said, he didn't get disconnected. <laughs> he said, uh, he said it was brought to you by Red Bull and Nutri-Grain bars. Uh, now that's because it was the middle of the night for him, right? And that's yeah. And so but he that's didn't. where he he's he operates at that time of night. I think I think a lot of us didn't know when to go to bed. I think that was one of the things that we learned is some of us yes. needed to go to sleep, right, Mason? Yes. And didn't. Um, I'm used to nights, but not anymore. Um, so the big parts uh, that we got from this. So I started the race, and we were talking about before we had the blinking field problem, and um, you know we came out of the pits 40th when we started that race and i i drove the first three hours of the race and uh, i think we moved up to about i think it was about ninth is when i moved what i moved up to and then i think mason you took over and you brought it back into like the top five on the on your first stint there yes, so sir. i think the furthest we got up to was top four i think was maybe four four fourth. fourth or fifth okay so that's the furthest we got up to and then you know, as the night went on, um, David took over, and uh, David's first stint was a triple stint, and uh, that's where we probably enjoyed our night the most. Was David's first stint? Um, he uh, he was having uh, some. He problems had some run-ins, some, right? He had some run-ins with some guys that had damage, were laps down, and kept. You know, they were faster in some corners, and then down the straightaways, we had a lot of speed, and um, you know, and I think. David uh, described the one time he was having with this dive bomber. He, the guy uh, tried to pass him and uh, spun out on on the front of David's bumper. But, you know, it, it, I think David was more concerned of the driver and should have just been running his race. Um, but then Tony gave way to me in the middle of the night. I think it was about 4.30 in the morning um, on my second stint. And at that point, I hadn't been up to speed for a while on what had been going on. So... Um, we were we were running tenth. Uh, we were two and a half laps behind ninth uh, when I took over. So um, I don't know what driver they had in, but uh, he wasn't, or if they had any damage, because I never saw them on the track. But I had made by the time I had finished my stint um, through there, 
I had brought us back within the same lap as they were um, before our driver change by not taking tires on my pit stops and and just running really consistent laps. So then David took over, and that's when David uh, turned it on. And uh, for his to the end the the race, he ran the rest of the race without tires as well, and uh, he ended up running down the ninth place guy. Um, and uh, we got ninth out of it. So, you know, it was a good run um, by everybody. Like I said, I'm pretty proud to have um, finished ninth with, you know, four guys that have not even stepped foot consistently in the, you know, road racing yeah. and even an endurance race. So I, I'm I'm just grateful that our, everybody on our team showed up and was ready to race that race too, right? Like everybody worked as a yeah. team and we all had uh, – looked like we all had pretty much a good time out there yeah i think um, overall so it it looked like uh it was uh i i definitely hope that uh, the guys are willing to all do it on the next time we want to do it like i don't know if they want to do lamar or any of the other ones in between but i think uh, we should make uh, the team do a couple you know ha- try and have two cars every time we get one of these endurance races that we want to race in yeah yeah, Craig Sykes did wonderful in the DP car. He led some laps. Phil Linden led, led some laps. Uh, Joe got wrecked. Uh, Phil wrecked. And if we didn't have those wrecks, we probably would have had a shot at it um, because they, they definitely were leading laps for a while before that stuff happened. But, you know, it happens, and uh, you got to deal with it. And I'm okay with six, so. Hey, you never want to be the one that wrecks the car, that's for sure. And I wasn't, so I was very happy. And I had the least incidents. And, uh, yeah, my mine was very uneventful, and that's the way I wanted it. So, all right, let's let's uh, let's finish. Let's go into final thoughts. Greg Hectus. Um, I'm just uh, looking forward to uh, this next week's, uh, next two weeks of the OBRL just to finish up the season before the three races for the championship. Um, we got two short tracks, uh, Smyrna and... Uh, um, I think it's Iowa is the last race before the uh, the end of the championship, so I just want to make it clean through those two and get on to the race, uh, the final three races. Um, the other thing I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to, to and I'm hoping in a couple weeks once they arrive, um, I've got these new racing shoes that uh, my wife ordered me. I, I shoot it in our messenger, and uh, I'm hoping we can cover them on uh, the podcast here in a couple weeks. Uh, how how I my review on them, I guess, um, and uh, go from there with them because this company's idea of how to make a racing shoe um, and for sim racing, and it's they actually make go-kart racing shoes as well, but um, I, they got, you can personalize them, and, I, and this is what I really liked, especially for you know what I like to do with Twitch and stuff like that. I can actually now have my, my, my footwear will actually have my logo or my racing name on it, so... Um, Oh, and you, you have your foot cam on your webcast. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what really drew, drew me to these shoes as well. Um, so you'll be able to see that. On, uh, should be able to see that from the way that I've got the shoes designed um, for it. So um, you guys can follow me on Twitch. Uh, so Twitch TV slash Frozen Cactus, Frozen with two O's, Cactus with two K's, and uh, yeah, I'll be streaming anytime I'm on. So, yeah, I can't thanks, race guys. with shoes. I, I'm in socks 100% of the time. If I have shoes on, I feel out of rack. It's weird. All right, Mason Stiver, final thought. Yeah, um, we we kind of had to breeze through things here, but uh, I just wanted to point out 
uh, Brent McCoy has been running in the major series. They did a Rolex 2.4 at Daytona in the IMSA Ferrari and all the IMSA cars. Um, the I believe it was the Monday after the 24 hours, and he won his class of the Ferrari. So nice. Congrats to him. Um, he was also in the in the podium esports, and I was watching that race in the street stock at Lanier, and that was a quite the show of uh, bumpers to bumpers. I will let it go that way. But um, but yeah, I'm excited. It was fun to run 24 hours. Um, not something I would do on a daily basis, that's for sure. But uh, working on the cup setups, and uh, hopefully have something for NIS this year. All right, very good. Tony Groves, final thought. Yeah, I was, uh, while everybody was going through their final thoughts, I was thinking, man, we were like uh, less than a month away from the Daytona 500. Yay. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, over the over this off season, I don't think I've been in the A car. I've not, I don't, I've not done one official race in the A car. Neither um, have I. You know, it's, it's, it's been a nice break, um, but I'm starting to, to get a little itchy here. Um, I'm actually Perfect. really looking... Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the start of the NIS season. So I guess I'm going to have to get my button gear and uh, start doing some uh, practicing, not so much for the Daytona. I mean, that's just roll the dice most of the time, but for the mile and a half and and uh, all that other stuff. So, yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm kind of sitting here just getting a little excited for that 500 to come. Yeah, and then Atlanta and then Vegas and so on. So, yeah, yeah. be ready. Yeah, it's going to be a fun season. I'm I'm excited about our group of guys we have on the team, and so looking forward to that. All right, Alex Green, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. You're welcome anytime. Uh, what's your final thoughts? Yes, sir. Just thank you guys so much for having me. Um, I didn't realize it until he said it. <laughs> now I'm realizing the Daytona 500 weekend is also the same as the uh, as our Mission 22 race. So uh, I've realized <laughs> I'm bad at looking at a calendar. Um, you and no, I just, racing. Yeah, just uh, thank you guys so much for having me on, and I hope uh, I get to see you guys out for Charlotte. And you know, we've raised uh, we've raised about two hundred eighty dollars so far of our five hundred dollar goal, and I'd love to uh, I'd love to hit that, and you know, just have a great time for a great cause. And thank you so much for you guys letting me uh, on that platform. Well, absolutely. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming. All right, my final thoughts. Uh, wow, I've been trying to figure out how to stream. Uh, I don't know. I'm not much of a streamer, but everyone is doing it, and so I'll do it too. But uh, having a lot of challenges. Um, my challenge is when I lose focus on the sim, the frame rate the frame rate is perfect in OBS. It's locked at 60 or 30 or whatever I put it at. But the moment I give the sim focus, it drops to a lower number. Now, I tweaked a million different settings in OBS and tried all these different things, and I thought I got it better, and I thought it was working. I actually did an entire race where it was locked at 60, and I thought, oh, man, it's fixed. Then I got in another race and got on the grid, and it dropped to 15 frames a second. And so it's still not fixed. And, man, I got this monster computer I spent all this money on, and I should be able to stream. And it's just frustrating because there's something I'm doing wrong, and I can't figure it out. So if you listeners have an idea based on that, let me know. Send me a message. I'm happy to hear it because right now uh, it's been fun uh, trying to figure that out. Uh, I'm also looking forward to Daytona. Um, I'm starting to think about sets. Uh, Mason and I were talking a little bit about that and what are we going to do and that kind of thing. 
But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the season. Uh, the team is uh, hitting on all cylinders. And with that being said, we are recruiting at Team Tifosi. Uh, we're looking for not only a social media manager and a league manager, but just drivers in general. So if you're not any one of those things and you're just a driver that wants to run with us, hit up Greg, hit up myself, either one, and we will talk to you and see if you're a good fit. And with that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.